This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit like and subscribe, whatever you're listening on. I'm Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. My panelists tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, Steelers Nation South, Rollo Coffin, and also from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Dion Reed. Welcome back, Dion. Good to see you. Our special guest tonight, we're joined by a, a former Michigan State University basketball guard where he had just a fantastic senior year uh, and a fantastic college career. But that senior year specifically, he started 28 games, averaged 13.6 points a game. Uh, after college, he went and played there in the Euro League, and he's got a he's got a documentary we're going to be talking about later that's coming out, um, and we'll have some big news for you on that. Uh, it's called Weathering the Storm: The Story of Wade Weathers. So, like I said, we're going to get into that more when we get to our Q and A. But we're going to welcome to the show Ray Weathers. Ray, thank you for being here. Oh, man, it's a humbling pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks for having me, and let's have some fun with this thing, and hopefully I can answer, answer your questions correctly and um, real transparent, 100 and real, man. So thank you for that introduction. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor to be a, a Spartan. Yeah, and, and as you just mentioned, Spartans, tonight's debate is going to be the greatest men's basketball player for the, for the Spartans, MSU. Uh, after Magic Johnson, we're not having Magic Johnson as part of this, of this debate, so... We're going to go from there. Our honorable mentions tonight for players that just missed the list. Uh, we got Greg Kelger and uh, Draymond Green. So we're going to start out tonight with Brian. All right. So I got uh, I got my team Cleves, and he was highly touted out of high school. Uh, he was both a parade and McDonald's All-American. Six foot two, 205 pounds. This guy was quick. He had nice touch on his passes. Uh, and he grew into an important leadership role for the Spartans. Uh, Cleves lived up. He lived up to the hype. Uh, even early on, he quickly became a starter in his freshman season of ninety six ninety seven. He had a solid year: ten point two points per game, five uh, assists per game, averaged about twenty six minutes per game, and he helped the Spartans get into the NIT. In his sophomore season, he improved a lot. Uh, his points per game jumped up to sixteen point one, assists to seven point two. He was named a second team All American and Big Ten Player of the Year, and he led the Spartans to a number 16 ranking and a, and a uh, trip to the Sweet 16. Uh, his junior season, he managed to reach even new heights. Again, he was Big Ten Player of the Year, but he was also able to elevate his game uh, to and earn a consensus first-team All-American honor. Uh, he led the conference in assists, was fourth in steals, and he had a really special Big Ten tournament, which catapulted the, the uh, Spartans to uh, number one seed in the Big Dance. Uh, Cleves then led his boys all the way to the Final Four before narrowly losing to Duke. Now, Mateen's senior season of 99-2000, that was when the magic truly happened. Again, he played at a level that earned him an All-American, uh, despite missing a handful of games during the season. And again, in the Big Dance, he and the Spartans caught fire. He led them past Valpo. Utah, Syracuse, Iowa State, Wisconsin, and then put up 18 points in the championship game, win over the Florida Gators. So Mateen, he was given the Most Outstanding Player Award for the Final Four, and he walked off the court a national champion. So, uh, Ray, I I'm going to come to you now. The one stat that uh, Brian left off there is the fact that uh, Mateen has the most turnovers tonight of anybody we're talking about. So he, he didn't mention that one. But, uh, <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your, your your thoughts on the team? He 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 did bring home the national championship. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously that was my I call him my rookie, my freshman when he came in. So we obviously shared a backcourt my senior year. 
I think it took a little time for us to jail. Obviously, you know, coming off the car injury for him, um, you know, he was not 100% healthy his freshman year. And so that year, uh, obviously, you know, I felt like we really started to jail um, those last, I think, 10 to 12 games where we just missed the NCAA tournament. Uh, Big 10 play, I was averaging like 15.6. So my numbers went up once he got healthy because I was able to get the basketball and moving from point guard to shooting guard. So I don't know if you want to say, you know, what else I feel about my team, Cleves? But I feel like, you know, honestly, he had a great team. He had, you know, Morris Peterson's there with me, uh, Antonio Smith. So you got to have the right pieces, too. And I always say it's about the team, but I feel like he was a team guy and honestly, you know, had a, you know, a, a good career, good team, good run. Okay. So let, let's move on to uh, Rollo. Steve Smith. Huh. Adam Park, Michigan, wound up going to John J. Pershing High School in Detroit, um, where he's recruited by former NCAA coach that won a national championship, John Heathcote, and future uh, Spartan great Tom Izzo. Uh, he said going to MSU to play guard, to play to play basketball was good for him because he was a six seven. He was six seven, and he wanted to play guard. And Judd Heath allowed that, had that with Irvin Magic Johnson, and that's who he mounted his game after. Um, <clears throat> he started 28 games as a freshman, um, just averaged just under 11, 11 points per game, but they only won 10 games. They improved the next year to 18 games under the Smith-led Spartans <clears throat> after, after, after um, you know, taking over the starting role. They would improve to win 28 games and win the Big Ten title, and a Sweet 16 appearance where they lost to the Kenny Anderson-led uh, Yellow Jackets in the Sweet 16, which was a very good game. Um, <clears throat> uh, the next year, they didn't fare as well. They they, they only won 19 games, um, and they lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament. But Steve Smith led the Big Ten in scoring at 25.1 points per game, and <clears throat> he, he was uh, named uh, consensus All-American. He would finish all Big Ten twice, consensus All-American once, and and he was the fourth fourth in he he would wind up being fourth all time in MSU history in field goals field goal attempts um, uh, points per game and seventh career in points per game and until Sean Respert uh, took over the he was the all time leading scorer in Michigan State history. So Ray, let me ask you. With Steve getting to play quite a bit of time when he was a freshman, how does that help develop a player's career when they're getting a lot of time as a freshman and going forward for the next three years they're going to be there? Uh, well, it's really important, especially uh, I was fortunate. I was I'm a Judd Heco guy first. Judd recruited me. So for Judd to trust you as a freshman, it was kind of like the, not the norm from him outside of Magic Johnson to come in and uh, be thrown into the fire. So that tells you a lot about, you know, obviously the coach trusting you, especially at, you know, playing the point guard, you know, primary position. So I think it kind of gets your uh, your feet wet. You know, obviously to me, I could be biased, but the Big Ten has been the best conference conference in America for many years along with the ACC. So, um, you know, I, I said anybody can average 10 points in the Big Ten back in our era was an extremely talented player. So uh, for him, I think it's really important because you get that confidence going into your sophomore year. So you kind of know the expectations. Plus, honestly, you were entrusted with a key role. So Steve Smith is the reason why I went to Michigan State. So that's my guy. So I could tell you stories for days. But Steve Smith is definitely a late league guy. He used to come play with me one on one, closed doors uh, when he was the starting point guard for Atlanta Hawks. So uh, that's my guy. Steve was a tremendous, tremendous player. 
and, and probably the best NBA career we're talking about tonight. Uh, I mean, Scott mm-hmm. Skiles had a decent career, but I, I think Steve Smith hasn't beaten the NBA there. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Steve, Steve don't get enough credit, man. I mean, Steve he changed the game. Obviously, coming in as a big true point guard, and actually he was six eight legit. Uh, when I saw him. So, again, Steve Smith, when you talk about his pro career, I mean, this guy is one of the top, you know, 10 players, top 15 players in the league, you know, especially with the Hawks, for sure. His shot off the dribble was fantastic, too. I mean, the, yeah. the guy just – he had everything. So He has his own move named after him, guys, called the Smitty Move. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, let's move on to uh, Sean Respert, and that is going to be represented by me here. We can end this debate right now because I've got the GOAT, guys, okay? Let's <laughs> – <laughs> so uh started out there in the 90-91 season, went all the way to 94-95 season. So that's five years at MSU uh, as a guard. He did pick up that one game as a first-year freshman. Uh, so we get the full five years there. But uh, his points per game, it went up every year. Started at 15.8, goes to 20.1, 24.3, points per game. Uh, he also put up four boards a game for three years straight. I mean, I know that doesn't sound like a lot of boards, but when you think about the position that he played, I find that very impressive uh, stat there. Uh, despite not being in the top 10 in games played uh, at MSU, he is the all-time leader in field goals with 866 plus attempts, 1,791. Uh, he is the all-time leader in three-pointers with 331 and three-point percentage. So he had the, 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 the long-range shot there. Um, he is fourth in free throws all time made, and he is number one in free throw percentage, which makes sense to go along with the three point percentage. The guy could just could straight up ball it and, and put it in. Um, he is the all as Rollo kind of mentioned. He's the all time points leader in Michigan State history with two thousand five hundred thirty one points. I mean that's that's a big stat considering you know that he's not even in top ten for games played. That makes it even more impressive. Um, and he's second all-time in points per game average with 21.3. Um, he trails only Mike Robinson in that from – Robinson was back in the 1970s, you know, so we're talking a little bit of a different game back then. He made the NCAA tournament four out of five seasons there, which is a very impressive stat. Um, he finished his career second all-time in scoring by Big Ten players. So not just dominant in Michigan, but you just look at the whole picture there. That's top 10 all-time for uh, – or second all-time for Big Ten scoring. And, of course, he's a first-team All-American, and he was also named the NABC College Player of the Year. So, Ray, I, I know you're very familiar with Sean. You told me you were you were hanging out with him uh, not too long ago. So what are your thoughts on his career? And I, I, I know you got, what, one season in there with him? Yes, sir. So Sean passed the keys to me, obviously, um, kind of showed me how to be um, a college player. And obviously, clearly, that uh, I, I called it the, the fact where my shot became much better because I was a scorer coming in as an All-American player. Sean is the staple to me at Michigan State. I still don't think he gets enough credit. But if you're talking about just what he did four years at the institution and in the Big Ten, he is the all-time great. If you look at his numbers, I call him the Steph Curry of the college generation before, obviously, you know, he's diagnosed with cancer where that didn't carry over to the pro career. But he's the first person ever I seen get kicked out of practice for not missing a shot for an hour and a half, two hours of the practice. That's how good he can shoot. Judd he co-kicked out of practice. Uh, they when he got drafted, they said Sean's rep jump shot was so good he could shoot a quarter in a slot machine. 
And you got to thank guys. He was not the greatest ball at that time, but for him to come off screens, the, the condition and game planning for was unbelievable. And I'm going to share another story for Bobby Knight to say he's the best shooter outside of Steve Holford. He feel like he was better than Steve Holford. This dude was amazing, y'all. I, I witnessed it firsthand. This guy was absolutely incredible. We all know the great game he had at U of M, right? Three points in the first half, come out on a twisted ankle, ended up with 33 in the second half. And Dick Vitale said, hey, this is probably, if not one of the greatest players to ever come out of um, the Big Ten. So I think it's undisputed, no disrespect to any other player, but Sean Rusper, hands down, Pounds is the, is the best player. And I, no disrespect to Magic either. I know Irvin really well. We talk about based on numbers. I think we just missed one more piece to get to that level where we got upset his senior year to Weber State, and that still kills me. But I think we had a chance, good, a, a chance to really go far that senior year for us to get, you know, compete for a national title. So you mentioned his, his cancer. I was going to ask you about that. I, I know we we didn't know about it when he was in the NBA because he he kept that on the lowdown and he didn't want that, uh, you know, as an excuse or anything. So what were your thoughts when we did find out years later? That that's what was going on. Like this is a friend of yours. Like what what were your thoughts when you found out? It just showed his integrity, his humility, and not making excuses. I mean, you can't go from player to year and go into the league and just say, hey, you know, he's a boss. And I think once they put that, uh, you know, on the atmosphere, he had obviously defend, you know, the legacy and the things that he's done in the game. And so I, we were shocked because we couldn't tell. Obviously, he still was physically fit. And so just dealing with that, you know, just trying to find his groove back and still sustain, you know, a lengthy career. I think he got four years in the NBA and obviously, had, you know, you know, played some powerhouse team. So but it was it was a, it's the it would have story. Right. What if he was healthy? You know, we could be talking about him like Steph Curry or, or Chris Jackson at that particular time. So, again, just players that I've seen that put in the work and see that work carry over to the court and have it ride from here based on the health condition was really tough. But the way he held himself and his integrity, it's very inspirational. Well, let's move on to our final player tonight. And uh, go ahead, Dion. Leave the best for last, okay? <laughs> um, challenge myself a little bit. Uh, with Scott Skiles um, out of LaPorte, Indiana. Um, Scott, uh, he was originally – uh, known for his offensive uh, ability and putting the, the ball into the hoop um, as a point guard. He was a combo guard uh, who averaged 27.4 points his senior year and was the Big Ten Player of the Year. Um, his historic uh, senior season put him third all-time in points in uh, school history with 2,145 uh, points. Uh, Skiles also finished his career second in both steals and assists in school history with 645 assists and 175 steals. Um, he, when he went, got drafted first round, 22nd overall by the Bucks, um, kind of struggled his first two years in the NBA, but uh, really improved on the expansion team Orlando Magic in their first season where he averaged 17 points per game and a nine assists and also won most improved player of the year. Mm. So, Ray, with Scott, is he the best passer we're talking about tonight? And, you know, it's not like Jason Williams, the great white hype here, but, you know, he 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 came out and he played a solid game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Scott Scott, I think he's probably one of the most underrated players because, again, you got to think when he averaged those points, there was no three-point line. So if that 27 probably could be easily 35 points 
right? And you're talking about his whole career. There was no three-point line. And Scott Skiles was shooting, you know, bombs like Steph Curry back in that tape. Um, so, and then from a sister standpoint, he still has an NBA record, 36. No one's going to beat that record. You're talking about Jason Kidd. Yeah. Right? So, you know, to me, arguably, if you just talk about numbers, and the errors, I would probably, you know, Scott could arguably be the second greatest player to me to come out of there based on no three-pointers and obviously being game plan for the game was more physical and the pack, you know, the paint was packed, right? So he had not only to be the distributor, but he also had to be a scorer as well. So that's kind of like double uh, w, double valuable. So I just held my hat, my hat off to him because the league was just so physical in those early 80s and late 80s when he played the game. So I have a great regard for Scotty. Scotty was tough as nails. He can go through a personal tragedy from what Jay Heathcote told us, and you wouldn't think he was going through those things, and he'd come out there and kick your tail and let you know about it, too. So, Scott Skiles is the real deal. Well, let's move into our vote tonight. Cannot pick your own. Uh, Brian, you're in my upper corner. Who are you taking? Well, I mean, you convinced me. I got to go respire to me. That's just... <laughs> uh, yeah. He's he, he, just overwhelming. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dion. Sean, I got a little Sean. <laughs> Sean, man, he, that's crazy. And uh, obviously, I, I can't pick my own, so uh, I, I can't pick Sean. Uh, good arguments, um, but I, I think Rollo, I, I think I'm going to go with you with Steve Smith. You, you know, you, you you nailed it. He's second in points. So, you know, points are what win games. So I'm going with points. I'm not a defensive guy here. So one for Steve Smith. How about you, Rollo? <clears throat> three-time All-American, NCAA championship winner, <laughs> Mateen Cleaves. <laughs> and, Ray, we come to you. You, you. you sticking with Sean or are you going with somebody else? No, it's, it's not even close. It's not even close. I mean, to win a championship, you got to have a team. And, and you got to think Mateen Cleaves had, you know, All-American on his team, first-teamer, you know, Charlie Bear, honorable mention. So, you know, Sean had less and he did more. And obviously, this the talent level guys again was nowhere near uh, the level that we had. The Fab Five, we had Big Dog Glenn Robinson. You know, the Big Ten was absolutely incredible stack, and for him to be able to accomplish that night in and night out, even when you talk about the Jimmy Jackson, Ohio State Buckeyes, right? The Kelvin Chaney's of the world. I mean, this guy just did it every single night. He was triple team, all that. So I'm going with Sean, hands down. And then I would put Steve Smith. That's my big brother as well. I put him too. Not putting uh. Scott Scott's three, then I'm gonna have a team, you know, fall in that, that area. So it's turnovers. That's why he finished fourth, Brian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's a win tonight for Sean Respert. That uh, was my guy. So I get first question in our QA. Nice job, guys. Uh we'll go me, Rollo, Dion, Brian. So Ray, I, I want to ask you, uh, I'm just getting to know you through Facebook here and stuff, but I, I've been able to tell already, and, and of course what I've been reading about you preparing for this that faith is a big part of your life uh so you know i want to ask you how has that helped you in your mentoring like maybe with with the train up a champion program and and your athletic experiences yeah so you know honestly a person of faith as a young person but not truly understanding that uh until I got into my uh, adult life uh, and retired where I just took my faith to a different dimension, a different level to uh, have a greater impact. You know, it's always great to talk about the things that we accomplished, but we don't talk about the things where we're errant and make mistakes. And so I like to talk about my weaknesses instead of my strengths and how I can inspire um, some people through the game. And that's kind of like the bait for me. 
And then going obviously going through training up a champion was just life changing for me as an adult because of I had those tools, obviously, I feel like I could have even done any more as a person, but also as a, you know, a collegiate athlete and a professional athlete. And uh, the expectations of the background that I come from, it can obviously, you know, hinder from you flourishing if you don't have good programs and good things to, uh, you know, cultivate your gifts and your talents as a person first and then an athlete because of the expectations and the traumas and things that we go through as young people. So, uh, that's the number one thing in my life. I don't compromise that. I, I don't let. Uh, I don't like to talk about myself as a player, but I let my peers talk about me as a player. So, when you got Grant Hill, you got Steve Smith, you got uh, the Penny Hardaways and the Respers, they're going to tell my story. And so, uh, and I think the things that I went through coming to college, uh, it hindered from me doing what I needed to do. Uh, Judd Heath said out of his face, "You guys can Google." He said I was the next great guard. Period. And um, obviously, I didn't know that he was going to uh, retire uh, as, as as fast as I thought I would have had him uh, the rest of my career. But obviously, I still was fortunate and blessed to get uh, Coach Izzo. But there was two different game plans. Most people didn't see the real weather's play. If you look at uh, these deals that you have now, which is I played in the CBA, and if I was in the G League, we had the TV and the media and all that, I would have signed a five-year, you know, five-year deal easy, the guys. And I say that humbly. But my peers going to tell my story what type of player I really was. And Sean prime example would do that so I can get Sean on you guys show and let him talk about it Ray you were recruited you said by Judd and then you wound mm -hmm. up playing under Tom Izzo was it ever in your mind to transfer when uh Judd Heathcote left or was it because Tom Izzo was already in place that you was like hey I'm gonna play for this guy no it's obviously uh transfer uh for for me because I know for Judd, he, I mean, for Judd, he called just like a Bobby Knight. Judd wouldn't come to your town to watch you play. He wouldn't come to an open gym to watch you play, not a real game. And for him to take that time to come down to my, you know, to Jackson, if personally see me, to personally meet me on a regular basis, just told a lot about him. Like the top coaches at that time, the Dean Smiths, the Bobby Knights, they sent their staff out to do a lot of that unless you were really talented. So, um, I made history because I was the second Prop 48 player to ever come through Michigan State. Uh, Pig Miller was the first one, and he said he would never do it again. So uh, he had a game plan for me. Um, you know, I knew all the guards that went pro from there to the NBA, and that kind of sold me on going there. I tell people all the time when we grew up, you know, the ESPN media coverage was regional. You know, if I went to UCLA and Georgetown, coming from where I come from, my parents wouldn't have probably got an opportunity to see me, you know, nationally televised because it was not that way back then. So and my story with Michigan, I was about to be their first proper position for the player in history as well. I flipped a quarter, literally a quarter between Michigan State and Michigan, man. So if I just really looked at my career, no disrespect to my, my Spartan family, you know, I'm, I'm transparent that. My game suited uh, the, the 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 amazing blue guys. I had an opportunity under Steve Fisher. I would have started right off the rip, regardless of who would have been playing five five or not. Jimmy Keenan, and Ray Jackson, my guys. I just talked to Ray Jackson today. So, uh, but no disrespect to Coach Izzo as well. Um, obviously, you know, been assistant for twelve years, um, trying to find his niche, find his way as a, you know as a head coach himself. Uh, you know, inheriting a team that was left from Judd. And, and coming out his first two years, you have to understand uh, to win 17, 15 games in the Big Ten, gentlemen, it's very, very difficult, okay? And we went, I think, 17 and 12, and then I think I went 18 and 11. No Big Ten tournament during my era. So we we was a bubble team right there to push, mm -hmm. but the system kind of 
things and stuff like that. So, but if I could go back now, I, I felt like for me to really flourish as a player, I definitely would have made it made, made, made that stuff and transfer somewhere else. Uh, yeah, just like Mike, I had a question um, about uh, your program, but uh, I kind of want to switch it up and learn more so about your faith. Uh, was that something that has always been big to you as, uh, you know, you were raised or that's something you were kind of established as an adult and going through things? Yeah, so honestly, you know, you got people just religious and I'm not religious. You know, I heard a lot, but what really uh, opened my eyes as a young person, honestly, if you guys follow the story, my brother was murdered uh, in high school by his best friend. He was 16. I was 15, 11 months older than me. And just kind of thinking about, you know, his eternal state. And so when you're going through those situations, obviously there was always a seed planted from, you know, my, my, you know, my grandparents and people down the road. But as my, when I went through my career and just being very angry, uh, you know, not satisfied where I feel like I could accomplish it, you know, planning the NBA, a lot of my peers are there and just not wondering why I wasn't getting the break. But none of those things made me happy, gentlemen, until I really found my faith in Christ Jesus and uh, my life. He just changed my life completely. And it's still, I'm still a work in progression. So I felt like if uh, if I could have had my faith early in my career, I feel like I could even flourish more. And I tell guys all the time, uh, use that platform to share your faith and what you stand for. And uh, a lot of people want to allow you to do that. But I feel like if you got that stuff in position in place, I think you could succeed even higher than what you could by not having faith. Yeah. Well, Ray, you mentioned it earlier. You were part of one of the, the better rivalries in college sports. Michigan State Spartans, Michigan Wolverines. What can you say about that rivalry? I know you played them, I believe, six times during your career, if I counted right. So what, what can you say about that rivalry? <laughs> I know my first one. Jay Cove uh, had some choice words and was about to get arrested when we go into Chrysler Rent and we're getting ice snowballs thrown at him, man. So I knew right then off the river, I said, okay, this is a real rivalry. <laughs> but just, just just the atmospheres, guys. I'm a, I'm a, let's, I'm gonna do a storytelling real quick, guys. Let's make this fun. Um, so I remember obviously uh we were getting ready to play Michigan. The Five Five is there, and they had some new uniforms that we have not seen before. They had the blue one as from from away game than the white one so we're coming through the tunnel just like this and we you know they're jumping up and down we all hyped up and they have to go first i'll never forget they had the baggiest like windbreaker uh uniforms we ever seen and they snatched those things off and they had the gold uniforms and the shorts was baggier our shorts you still can see our quads and our thighs and hamstrings <laughs> they had the back song with the harachis that's <laughs> for air snow looking at us and we say man we need to get some green pre-tape we need to get some new stuff, man, because those guys look so clean. And just the, just the rivalry, you know, we know a lot of each other from, you know, the inner city, from Detroit, Lansing, or guys from Ohio. So, oh, man, it was super, super intense, man, super intense. And the preparation, can you guys imagine what it was like for uh, Tom Ezzo? It was crazy, guys. So it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun memories. I'm still cool, like I said, with Maurice Taylor. A lot of those uh, those players, man, to see them going on to success. So I always say, if I'm not rooting uh, for, for my you know, Michigan State, I would root for Michigan all day long. So how did your documentary come about? And tell our listeners a bit about it. Yeah, so uh, it was not scripted or planned. Um, it was a guy that I knew out in California that was uh, in, off into the movie industry, and they wanted to start filming about minor league basketball. You know, obviously CBA, you know, you have Phil Jackson, George Carl, just the tradition of that league growing uh, to make players go off. You got John Starks, uh, Craig Elo, 
And so it was a quote that came out. They were trying to track the players that was really scoring, really flourishing over the past 20-plus years. And uh, Mark Cuban was a huge fan of mine that talked about, he said, Ray Weather's probably the best scorer that I've seen in 20 years because I could score in bunches. They looked up my analytics every time. I shot 20 shots in the game. I scored over 40 some points, you know, points. And so they wanted to do a film about that. When the buzz came out, that story got uh, connected to a guy named Mr. Randy Holloway uh, out of Detroit, Michigan, called Arte Productions. And he knew about my journey, knew about my story. I never met the guy, but obviously his brother was murdered as well. And it was connected to some Michigan State player. And I can't mention that guy's name. So long story short, I had flew into town. I think I could have been a, doing a camp and clinic. His production team came and said, hey, Ray, man, you, you, you I heard about this uh, documentary. Well, Lee, we just want to come interview you. I said, yeah. So they bring the cameras freelancing. And next thing you know, as my story was being told, they were in shock and said, hey, can we just start following around maybe like, you know, a, a week? And I thought it was a little weird. And I'm like, yeah. And next thing you know, the film just kept going on over and over. And they said, man, you really had to, you know, weather some storms we should create a documentary called Weather in the Storm. And I was just catchy because of my last name. And next thing you know, gentlemen, um, I was able to go through a healing process. And uh, I had almost, a, I think, about a 1,000 people that showed up to my premiere. And next thing you know, the movie Hoop Dreams, I'm sure you guys remember the movie Hoop Dreams, that organization that made uh, a contract with them out of Chicago signed me to a deal. They were promoting it. We got a distribution deal. And I inspired you. You mentioned Kenny Anderson earlier. Him and Steve Smith was the two top guys ever for me coming out of high school, right? I got a chance to meet Kenny Anderson when he was coaching the CBA. Just told him, hey, man, outside of Steve Smith, you're my dude. And so we stay connected. My documentary actually inspired, you know, Kenny Anderson to come out with his uh, documentary called Mr. Jibs. So you just don't know how you can impact people by telling your story, going through some things we had to go through as people and athletes, man. So I was really fortunate to be able to do that. Uh, one more each with Rollo, Dion, Brian. Right. Tell, what's the what's the most memorable moment? What's the most memorable memory that you have from playing college basketball? Whether it be oh. a moment, whether it be a, a shot you made. What's the most memorable? That's a great question, brother. So listen, I will never ever forget this, guys. So in the end. Playing against Indiana, you know, you play at Assembly Hall. You got 15, 20 uh, boosters from Michigan State, and everything's red and white, okay? So just having that experience, because you hear all the stories with Bobby Knight, he never speaks to players ever at the, you know, game, win or loss. And uh, he come out last for the game. So just realizing how big he was. You know, he's six six big guy. My senior year, on senior night, we beat Indiana by 18, 20 points. I had 20 points that game. And I never forget this. I hear Weathers, Weathers. And I'm looking around, and my guys, uh, I think Matina or uh, Thomas Kay said, Man, Bobby Knight is calling your name. And people started like flashing cameras. So he started walking towards me, and I was kind of like in shock. He put his arm around me just like this. He was like, Man, you are tough, you know, choice words. Had a magnificent career. You never gave me a shot to come to Indiana, but he said, You're an NBA player. You never got a chance to really be who you are, and I know what you are. He said, Tell that. Tom Izzo, that choice words, if he has any problems and he don't mess you to help you get to the NBA, I'm going to put my hands on him. He literally said that, guys, and gave me a hug and walked like this. I remember I was in the front page of Detroit Free Press and the Lansing Journal with this picture, and then the president, McPherson, from our university during our bank was like, 
He's never seen Bobby Knight. No one, everybody knows he's never talked to players after the game, but to glorify my name the way he did he did and the respect he had for me said what I stand for for the program. And I, I'll never forget that. That meant a lot coming from Mr. Bobby Knight to talk about me in that capacity. So that was cool. Uh, uh, yeah, I lost my question. <laughs> but um, so I'll change it. <laughs> what is your most uh, memorable moment in, in the NBA? So listen, this is amazing. Great question, too. Mm-hmm. So I grew up, I'm from the, obviously from Jackson, Michigan, and I was a bad boy Pistons fan, man. I mean, I, even though I like Magic Johnson for sure, and I don't see the Chicago Bulls, but Isaiah Thomas was my guy and Joe Dumars. And so growing up, me and my brothers, uh, my oldest brother, Jeremy Hester and Ken, we used to be like, wow, you know, it would be so great one day to be a Piston. We wanted to be Isaiah and Joe Dumars, okay? Nice. You fast forward 1997, I got Doug Collins coming, potentially about to get drafted by a couple of teams, and I felt like it was going to happen. But I got signed to go to the Pistons, end up signing and meeting Joe Dumars, signed with his agent, and I'm talking across the table as I'm talking to y'all, and I'm, he's telling me about how to guard Michael Jordan, all these incredible stories. And here it is. I put my Piston uniform, my first game ever, after veteran camp is over with. I got Grant Hill, my veteran. Rick Mahorn is on the team. And I get ready to go out to the tunnel. And he gave me all his Adidas. He took care of me. I run out to the court with Charles O'Bannon and Scott Pollard and said, wow, here it is. My dream as a little kid, I'm a Detroit Piston, got signed. And Joe Dumas is my mentor, man. So that right there was life-changing for me, just to be able to touch that and taste that. And then, uh, honestly, I would say actually actually playing in the NBA game with the Phoenix Suns, having my cup of coffee, and getting real close to Penny Harwin, guys, was incredible, guys. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. Ray, I'm, Ray, I'm going to drop some names here. Antonio Smith, Mateen Cleaves, Thomas Kelly, Morris Peterson, John Garrick, Baglia. Uh, these were your guys that you led in that 96-97 season. So what did this group mean to you? A lot. You know, it's 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 funny, as I said, again, you know, if, if Mateen is healthy, and it, it takes a while because the backcourt is so vital to the success of the team, you understand? And I think it's, it's the engine that makes the ship go. But if you just look at paper, and us messing together, gelling together. We had a stretch when we started off the season. We went off eight and two. Then we had a mishap during the middle where we lost five to six games that were, you know, winnable games. And then we finished strong at the end. So to me, that team was a 20 plus 10, a big 10 championship team because that's the team that left and actually won it my last year, right? So those guys, I mean, I just talked to Antonio Smith. We still said on paper, if we could have messed together, we could have really, really made some noise. And another thing most people didn't know, a lot of people thought I went to the NBA hardship, guys. Imagine me coming back, averaging 15.6 Big Ten play, right, 14 overall, okay? And I'm only playing 27 minutes a game, all right? I have to defend Andre Woolwich, Kawan Garris, Bobby Jackson. Those guys playing 37 minutes a game, but their numbers are very close to mine in Big Ten play. If I come back my senior year and get my fourth year back, right, I'm averaging 24, 25 points a game. We, I'll probably get MVP of the Big Ten, right? But if I don't go, Charlie Bell probably never come to Michigan State. So so it's a lot of conversations I'm going to talk about in my movie about this. Uh, it's, I think it's going to shock a lot of people. So, But that team, to me, was really dear to my heart. I'm still upset because John, uh, John Garvey, you know, he went Mr. Basketball over me. I was ranked as number one player in the state when I came out. But just the bond that we had, um, trying to deal with that, we left our mark on how those kids had to work 
how they had to get ready. And then obviously when I left, they started to have this ship. You know, they 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 ran with it. So here we are. You know, Michigan State is one of the top three programs in all the college basketball. Well, Ray, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you coming on and giving us your time. Honor to talk mm -hmm. MSU with you. Yes, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for having me. I want to remind everybody, make sure that you check out that that documentary movie called Weathering the Storm, the story of Ray Weathers. It's going to be good, people. Go check that out when, it, when it's available for you. Uh, remind also, everybody hit like and subscribe. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for watching. Have a great night. God bless. God bless, guys.